It's not uncommon for us to find people who have been here for 20, 25 years working our floors that have built that relationship with our medical staff, built that relationship with the community, and again, just another testament to the people who uh, not only live here, but also choose to work here because they view this as their community hospital. Welcome to Center Maryland's The Lobby Pod. We are here with Bo Higginbotham. He is the president and CEO of Ascension St. Agnes Hospital in Southwest Baltimore and beyond. We'll talk a little bit about that, but it's it's my birth hospital. Uh, 50 years ago this year, Bo, so I just want to uh, thank you and... Uh, and the whole community uh, over there at St. Agnes for everything you're doing. Welcome you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. And it's, uh, you know, it's interesting to hear you say that, Damien, because I hear that from so many people that uh, they were born in St. Agnes or they've got a connection with some family member being born there or worked there. And it, it really is such a cool story, the way that it's, it's woven its DNA into the fabric of the community in Baltimore at large. It's a, it's a pretty cool dynamic and a pretty cool community that we've got here. At, uh, at St. Agnes. You know, the, the last time we had uh, your, your good friend and colleague, I'm, I, maybe a stretch to say mentor, it seems like uh, Ed Lovern played a wonderful role there. When he was on, we were sort of, uh, he was a bit new to the area and I hadn't revisited St. Agnes in, in a while. And just stunned to know that nearly 70 of Baltimore's best doctors from Baltimore Magazine uh, just some remarkable uh, nursing core you have there. Just love to hear uh, what it's like to lead this uh, group of frontline caregivers. Yeah, it's um, you know, on the on the physicians first. It's interesting in that I've been with the organization for 15, 16 years now, and a lot of these physicians in, in my prior role, I was the medical group administrator or executive. And I've, I've really built a strong relationship with a number of these doctors. Uh, so I consider them friends. And, uh, you know, it's interesting in healthcare of how influential administration can be to a physician's practice because they're typically not going anywhere. They've got roots that they've built in the community. They've got a reputation that they want to be able to maintain. And, you know, I view my job as just figuring out a way that I can support that. And we've been blessed with, I think, just an amazing group of doctors here, many of which, you know, I, I use myself personally. My family uh, uses themselves. My wife is a patient of our, our OBGYN group, my son, uh, pediatrics, myself, primary care to wear. I, I think it's a testament to the quality and to the numbers that you referenced, the 70 uh, or so top docs that our, our administration, our community are choosing to use these physicians as well. And we don't feel like we've got to work or look outside of our community to find great care. Um, and it's a, it's a nice little secret that we've got here with just some of the quality of our medical staff. A lot of these guys have trained at Hopkins, Maryland, and just choose to be in Maryland and Baltimore, which, uh, again, is a testament to their commitment to the community. On the nursing side, uh, similarly, it's not uncommon for us to find people who have been here for 20, 25 years working our floors that have built that relationship with our medical staff, built that relationship with the community, and again, just another testament to the people who uh, not only live here, but also choose to work here because they view this as their community hospital, which is a, a pretty cool story as well. We've been working with, as you have, the Maryland Hospital Association around workforce issues in a post-pandemic world where Maryland sure could use a ton of nurses. Maryland could sure use a ton of uh, staff to, to help these hospitals operate. Can you talk to me about the the challenges and opportunities you see as sort of a next generation leader in healthcare about the workforce issue you're facing at the hospital, what the community is facing writ large? 
Yeah, and I, you know, I think it's it's not just unique to to healthcare. I mean, I think that we're seeing you know that next generation of workers come into the workforce, and they've got different expectations on work-life balance, and they've got different expectations on, um, you know, just you name it. Uh, and I think it's, you know, it's up to us to be able to uh, model uh, a role in an environment that caters uh, to you know that that newer generational expectation. Um, so I, I think you've got some of that at play. Uh, you know, we obviously talk about the uh, development and some of the training programs that we've got uh, that everyone is working on with any of our training or educational facilities. So I, I think that that's one that continues to, to gain traction. Uh, it just takes time. And, you know, when we, we talk with our uh, policymakers or the folks at the MHA, there's there's a different level of energy, I think, that's coming from the MHA and some of the legislators out there right now in recognizing, you know, the opportunities that we have in this space and getting creative on how we can come up with solutions that are going to solve uh, for, you know, this region and this state. And I, you know, we had a, a recent legislative breakfast and just there was an amazing energy in the room uh, around some of those newly appointed officials in regarding, uh, you know, just tackling the issues that we're faced with uh, as a community, a healthcare community right now, which you know, it's, it's promising, and I think it's an encouragement for a leader like myself and any el- anyone else that's sitting in my shoes uh, dealing with these issues that we're faced with. You had the most powerful legislator in healthcare, Chairperson Jocelyn Pena Melnick, come up from Prince George's County to visit with you, and Delegate Malcolm Ruff, Felicia Porter. You had a all-star cast out there that uh, Olivia Farrow put together for you. Uh, what's it mean to be a hospital president representing, you know, really one of Baltimore's most opportunistic and most challenged, if you looked at it demographically. And uh, it's just, it, whether it's uh, from being in Southwest Baltimore all the way out to Columbia, Maryland, you know, you've got that sort of six to nine dial on the the Baltimore Beltway that claims you as their home base hospital What's that role been like for you going from being sort of the innovator, a little bit behind the scenes, managing the relationships to now not just being the face of your organization, but the face of, you know, a whole community? Yeah, you know, that that transition was one that, uh, you know, I I don't know if I necessarily appreciated uh, the full, you know, weight of just serving as the ambassador for the community. And I I think it was about a weekend that it it hit me that, you know, there's, there's the president and CEO job of running a healthcare operation, which, you know, I, I felt comfortable doing and I've always felt comfortable doing, but really just, you know, understanding the needs of the community uh, and tailoring a solution to those specific needs. And to your point, we've got probably one of the more diverse population in the region and that we've got, you know, some of the, the factors that come into play with your West Baltimore population uh, who are, you know, absent of some critical uh, critical factors and critical items in terms of the healthcare ecosystem. And then you've also got the population out in, in Catonsville and, and uh, Howard County that, uh, you know, seem to, to have their own unique challenges and skills that, that we have to, to cater towards. So I, I, I think, uh, you know, that, that transition has been one that it's not been taken lightly. It's, it's one that just a, a severe appreciation for the role that this institution plays. And I think also one that, um, you know, I've recognized pretty quickly that, you know, we're also a ministry of the Catholic Church, and, and we've got to make sure that we're wearing that badge of honor appropriately and serving and, and carrying our flag is appropriate for the Catholic Church and the Archdiocese of Baltimore. And, and you know, you, 
you combine those two and you know, have, a, have a different appreciation sitting in the seat than I did and sitting in a supporting role, to be honest with you. What could you use as you know, all, our audience is, is people sort of all over Maryland's county seats, you know, from uh, Towson to Upper Marlboro, a lot of people in that Annapolis uh, sphere and sort of the Baltimore, Washington business community. If you could kind of raise your, your hand up and, and, and point to St. Agnes, either what you've been doing for decades in uh, Southwest Baltimore or what you've been doing since you've opened your new medical office building at Columbia Gateway, I'd just love to hear about what you would like attention on as a healthcare leader and as a, as a president of St. Agnes. What, what would you sort of love to put some more focus and shine on if you, as you're talking to this audience. Yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, we've, we've, I think, done a pretty good job of uh, making the right investments and expanding our footprint and uh, Howard County and Catonsville. We've got, you know, I think one of the more contemporary offices that was just recently opened in uh, Gateway. And then, you know, our Route 40 office, our ambulatory site is, is one of the, again, uh, more contemporary primary care and internal medicine offerings. That you're so Bo, if, if, if I'm over there, I'm over there at the Merriweather district not far from gateway how would i interface or how does one utilize that mob how would they find themselves at that gateway medical office building because you're you got you're a really trusted brand in that howard county community but i bet not everybody knows that it's there for them yet yeah uh you're you're gonna find your way by um you know access through primary care ob we're right off of uh, 175. If I'm getting my, my streets correct. Yeah, right. I'm in North and yeah, Howard County. It's funny. I, I think they all kind of seem the same. Um, but uh, it's, it's tucked back in the, the business park in Columbia Gateway, but I think it gives us a unique opportunity to where we've got a combination of primary care, women's services, a full suite of our radiology and imaging uh, services, and then specialty surgical services. I, I think, it, and it's one that, honestly, it's probably not gaining the recognition, and we've got to do some work in branding this as such, but I, I think it's probably one of the more comprehensive women's services uh, centers in the region, if not the state. When you look at just the, the core service uh, offerings that we've got, you can go in and, you know, do a year's worth of uh, healthcare maintenance uh, as, a, as a woman or a female in one day, you know, with uh, okay. any of your screening diagnostics downstairs. And we've got same-day availability or walk-in uh, availability and access after your OB or your GYN appointment, which is pretty unique. You know, in the then they can come over for lunch or coffee at Busboys and Poets or uh, Peter Chang's over there at Merriweather District. It's great for the whole economy out there to have uh, your brand. Hit your, hit your Trader Joe's and uh, your right. Wegmans and then stop up and then take care of your healthcare needs. Right, right. Looking for One of the things I thought was really exciting, actually, was the legislative breakfast. You know, I just noticed that the team of people you had greeting and securing the front lobby were just like very gracious, very caring, trying to get people through, but also trying to keep people really safe uh, as they enter, you know, a hospital. How do you get that sort of, the French would call it like a je ne sais quoi, but there just seems to be an attitude of caring over there at St. Agnes that is is pretty unique. You're now a shepherd of that spirit. Talk to me about what that's like uh, interact with your whole team over there. Yeah, you know, we uh, took the approach that I guess about six months ago, 
um, as, as you know, we, we went through uh, a union petition by our nurses, and I think we had identified some opportunities that we had to provide better support uh, to our clinical teams. But, you know, an off-site uh, uh, planning session by our leadership team, and, and the takeaway was that, you know, if we could do one thing, if we could identify one North Star for the organization, uh, it's going to be to take better care of our associates. Uh, you know, we want to be a destination organization to work for. We want to make sure that our team members, our nurses, our clinicians, our ancillary staff, our physicians feel like they've got 100%, 110% of the support of our, our leadership team. And if we can care better for our associates, then in all likelihood it's going to transcend to caring better for our patients and our visitors. And I think what you're seeing when you walk through the doors as a visitor or a patient are the impact and the effects of us making sure that our staff feel fully supported in the work that they do, that they're recognized, they're appreciated, they feel a sense of belonging when they walk into these doors, and uh, they feel a sense of community working for St. Agnes. And anytime uh, an associate's got an issue, they've got my cell phone number, uh, and I, I field probably three to four a week to where people are stopping in, raising a concern or offering a suggestion. And we take these things seriously, and uh, you know we're, we're going to bank uh, and put a lot of merit into we're going to care for our associates and our team members so they can care better for our patients and our visitors. And hopefully you're experiencing that when you walk through the doors with that warm greeting and that caring touch that you're going to get from a family or a community. You know, while you have all that, you, you also have this dynamic, and it's certainly in the Maryland model of healthcare, where there's a transfluence of care between the lobby and the hospital and the community and people's homes. And you, and you, you all are addressing that space, uh, whether it's working with Father Mike on violence prevention or it's trying to get uh, people into the, the hospital by using like a navigator system and working with the ride share companies so people can get in and out of there. Uh, very conveniently, you have the incredible parking over there, but there's this sort of permeability about healthcare, especially in Maryland. Uh, you got the mobile health unit. I mean, you you know, you all showed up to Edmondson Village uh, with that, and have been in the community ever since this summer with that tremendous asset for folks that want to understand. That's like think of like a well care. It's not an ambulance, but like think of like a well care unit, right? Like it's all about taking care of your needs now. Um, anyway, I just wanted to make that sort of uh, pedestrian observation that the healthcare is going all across the spectrum from community to, to your office. And, and I'd love to hear your take on that. Yeah, we, you know what, I think we've done a pretty good job of investing heavily into some of our, our outreach and population health efforts. We've got two of the better leaders in the state uh, with Olivia Farrow and Don O'Neill, who just nail it every day. And they're always pushing the boundaries of being more invasive to get outside of the hospital walls, to get upstream with patient care uh, and you know implement policies and initiatives that we know are going to have an impact on the community and keep people out of the hospital, which is what we want here in the state. But I, I got to give a lot of credit to those two individuals who are as good as it gets, um, that they they are just an asset to this organization and this community. You know, not just St. Agnes, but the community at large. Bo, you are a uh, a Blue Jay, Johns Hopkins educated, and then you are also uh, a Mountaineer 
educated at West Virginia University. I did not realize this till I met you, but there's a little bit of a, a Mountaineer Mafia in uh, in Maryland Healthcare. There are a lot of uh, West Virginia alums who've uh, who've come across the Potomac. Yeah, you know it's funny. We um, uh, one of the guys that's uh, CEO at, at Union uh, and um, Good Samaritan is also from my hometown. Uh, we catch up periodically, and it was good to, to connect with him, uh, T.J. Sanker, Thomas Sanker, um, but uh, two two Morgantown guys actually from the state of West Virginia. You know, bringing some of that uh, that good care and that hospitality over to to Maryland, Baltimore, uh, to the hospitals here. So it's it's good to see you know some Morgantown brethren working alongside uh, with the the issues and the challenges in Baltimore. Last question for you: Being in this. Uh, chief strategy officer position for a good number of years in St. Agnes and being in a state that has such a unique uh, total cost of care model. What, what do you think we should expect sort of in the next generation of health care? Any big factors or ideas that you'll be hearing about here as, as Maryland sort of uh, reconfigures its model with the, with the federal government? Yeah, I think you know one of the things that we're we're trying to do here is um, you know, obviously stay close to our our policymakers uh, with the the state uh, MHA uh, HSCRC to understand you know where where their north star is uh, is is headed to where we've got alignment and you know you, you continue to hear uh, the challenges of behavioral health primary care um, utilization management. So we, we want to make sure that we're aligned in every regard. And I, you know, I, I think everyone's in agreement that, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth its weight in gold. And, um, if we can, if we can find ways creatively to where we can align with those policy makers, I think we're always going to find ourselves in a, in a good spot. And it, it continues to center around preventative internal medicine, primary care and behavioral health in every regard. And when you talk about behavioral health, juveniles placement you're talking about a challenging environment where uh, St. Agnes or hospitals all across the state are essentially getting a, a population of of folks that they can't transition into the right care ultimately which is sort of a state responsibility is that fair to yeah but you know I think you know we've had we've had some conversation with uh, Dr. Herrera Scott and um, I, I think it's also appropriate for us to all take this on collectively. I, you know, to, mm -hmm. to put the burden on the one that we acknowledge is going to be almost impossible to find a solution for. So we've all got to raise our hand and ask, you know, what part can we play um, in our own in our own right uh, to solve for some of these broader issues? And you know, we're we're actively taking part in some of those conversations right now and those discussions to where we want to be we want to be part of the solution. Uh, along with the state where there are gaps or there are needs identified, we want to see how we can potentially fit in uh, to provide a solution for those gaps and needs. Bo, you're a bright light in Baltimore. Thanks for all you're doing. Likewise, and I uh, appreciate the time. It's always good to connect. Yeah, let me know if uh, if there's any time we can uh, we can get outdoors. It feels like it feels like the weather is like is any day is a possible day to get outside <laughs> you never know these days then it's, it's snowing today here in, in west baltimore it's typical february in maryland it seems like because you just never know what you're going to get you can get yeah, a 60 you know, degrees yeah people are always 30. like are you, a, are you a football fan damien and i'm and i always say to him like i love, played football in high school i love it but like the reason i love it is because it gets me from 
uh, New Year's Eve to St. Patrick's Day, usually in Baltimore, if we get, you know, and, and if we don't get that extra week or two, it's a killer. <laughs> it's the truth. I mean, we, you had mentioned West Virginia. We're transplants, obviously. Uh, but I, I think Maryland is a great region with the exception of February. At the end of yeah, January, exactly. February, well, the first part of March. But spring in Maryland is just a great spot to be in the Mid-Atlantic. But February is just a grind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wears on you. Yeah. Well, look, man, I appreciate you doing the podcast with us. And uh, I'll, I'll actually be over there today. So hope to hope, hope to maybe see you. Yeah, stick your head in. Always All good right. to talk to you, sir. Cool. Thanks, Thanks man. Peace.